0: hello friends and welcome to episode 9.5 of when the mountains called today instead of visiting with caleb i'm excited to be visiting again with jonathan keener and jonathan is the voice actor who's been reading and narrating for us this whole season and jonathan uh welcome to the program it's good to be back yeah man I mean, you were on once before and it was a fantastic discussion And it's nice to have you back again. And, you know, early on we were talking about episodes that didn't reveal too much. But this episode 9 that we're going to be talking about today, it's kind of like an unveiling. We're beginning to see the big picture for real. So I am super excited to discuss this episode with you and the way that it may have impacted you and me and others. Um, I think this episode can be very impactful. Matter of fact, I believe it impacted me more than any previous episode. And so I'm ready to dive into that if you are. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to give the bullet points just in way of a reminder of what the episode was all about. And then you and I can start... We'll rewind and we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk through it and share some insights that we got. You know, the previous episodes had... So much allegory, um, so much symbolism, so much metaphor. We are kind of grasping at straws, getting an idea, but lots of mystery was introduced. And now, as we are approaching the last, I guess, two more episodes, we're beginning to get closure on all of these threads, these loose ends. And it's really rewarding to me. So this is kind of a different way of looking at it in that we don't have to speculate as much. We can spend more time talking about the impact instead of the, what is this? But anyway, okay, back into the, the story. Um, this story in episode nine, it picks up as Andrew, which is also called DeSito, and Mac leave the, the Wildering people, and Andrew is just kind of blown away by the experience that he's had there. He has a, a renewed hope searching for Pearl, and uh, so he goes rushing off to try to find Pearl, And he's going through the woods and he sees a clearing ahead and somehow he's just convinced that Pearl is going to be in that clearing and he rushes and jumps into the clearing just to realize that it wasn't a clearing, it was a cliff. And as he is in the air getting ready to fall down into a deep gorge with a a roaring river at the bottom, Mac manages to grab his wrist and pull him back onto the bank. And that's the exciting (laughs) beginning For this episode Um, then once they get past that they look across the the gorge and they see a figure who is beating and kicking a mountain as he howls and mournfully yells and he keeps breaking chunks off of this mountain that go tumbling down into the river below and and this man is just exhausting himself attacking this mountain. Um, then the man, his energy all spent, finally lays down at the foot of the mountain against the rocks, and the mountain, like, leans forward toward him. The trees lean toward him in some sort of a sheltering embrace, a healing embrace, and the man rests. He sleeps. And that that's the second big event, which is uh, fascinating. And then the third is that Mac and andrew have a conversation and it seems that andrew for the first time is beginning to understand the reality of why the mountains called and this conversation is kind of the the bigger unveiling i think of the whole series thus far so that's just the brief summary to remind people and if you haven't heard the episode yet stop now <laughs> go back and listen to the episode it's the best one yet I've been talking too much, so it's your turn.
1: No, I absolutely agree. I think this episode has really sort of um, come to a conclusion that has been built to for a long time. I think Shannon did a great job of that. I think Caleb is doing a great job really emphasizing that with the music um, throughout the whole series so far. Uh, And I do think we're starting to get answers to some of these questions that have been here since um, episode one, starting to figure out what this world that we are finding ourselves in and the characters are finding themselves in um, we sort of got this idea that it might be death earlier on. Um, now we're finding out that's not quite the case, um, that it's more trying to overcome tragedy, trying to overcome trauma, um, which I think is a really beautiful thing and a really beautiful conclusion to sort of this mystery that surrounded us for so long.
0: You know, it's interesting because there was one line, which I found very mysterious but where Andrew, later in this episode, he says that he realized that maybe it wasn't Pearl that died 20-some-odd years ago, right? And, but Pearl did die. But I'm wondering where that thread will go. I think he was trying to express that he began to understand that he was the one who really died with the loss of Pearl, and that he's waking up now. And that's, I think, is the reason why this episode is so moving. It's, uh... It's easy to watch someone grieve and think, yeah, life is really hard, if that makes sense. But when you see someone begin to heal, then it's like, that's hope. And that's exciting. (laughs) And so in this episode, I think that's part of the excitement. Well, let's go back to the beginning. And Jonathan, at the beginning of this episode, they're leaving the the Wildering people or the Wildering people were debating how to say it. And will you describe the scene for us? What's going on?
1: Yeah. So he's just come out of this, um, first moment talking about Pearl and however many years, um, he is feeling joy, I think really for the first time in, you know, decades. Um, he has realized that Pearl is still alive in some way inside of him and that other people, care about him and care about listening to uh, her life and her stories um, which I think is this really great, hopeful inspirational thing but then you come out of that and he's so overwhelmed so overjoyed he almost misses the fact that there is a cliff right in front of him that he is going to plunge to his doom um, in a way Um, which I think is really kind of a beautiful thing because as much as we want there to be an immediate fix and have everything go just exactly as planned from, you know, we have these issues and, waha, there's a solution. Um, We're seeing now that, you know, it does take time. There is a process to it. um, And it's not going to be right away. If it was, the whole show could have ended an episode ago. But since we do have to see some growth, we have to see um, this continued character building, Um, we do get to explore a little bit more, and we've got some more great episodes coming up. Oh, that's going to be fun. Ten yards. He felt like he could run forever if that meant finally finding his wife, and he would, too. Call to me, mountains. Tell me where she is. I'm here. Adrenaline coursed through his veins, and the orb above his head swelled, making his hair grow hot. Andrew opened his mouth as he ran, closing the last feet between himself and the clearing in the trees. Pearl, he shouted hearing the laughter in his own voice. I'm coming, Pearl. He flung his body forward into open space. The ground disappeared beneath his feet, and Andrew looked down, eyes transfixed on the great gully below and the surging river that plowed a path through it. His heart dropped, and a cry rose in his throat. But before he could scream, a hand wrapped around his wrist, yanking Andrew backward. His feet tripped over solid earth, and he hit the ground hard, knocking the wind out of his chest. Next to him, at the top of the ridge, Mac was panting too, the first sign of fatigue that Andrew had seen since meeting him what had to be weeks before. Don't do that, gasped Mac, staring at the cerulean sky above them, chest heaving.
0: So, you know, people talk about some actors as being a very physical actor, and often you think of comedy. Right, People that are really good at at tripping and falling and, and making it look hilarious. But sometimes being a physical actor has a lot more to do with being able to show emotion with your body and your reactions. And this, I think, the scene where Andrew is launched off into space, he's going to fall into this gorge to his death... Right, And I, I do that with air quotes, <laughs> because he's been debating whether he's dead or alive this whole time. But the scene where he, he does that, and then Mac pulls him back, and when he hits the bank with his feet and then falls to the the solid ground, it knocks his breath out, and Mac's first words are, don't do that. <laughs> and... To me, I thought, well, Shannon, she wrote in a beautiful physical scene for us this time to understand what we've been hearing about this whole time. Andrew's been talking about finding Pearl, finding Pearl, trying to get to Pearl, finding Pearl, finding Pearl. And when he finally rushes headlong, headlong, 100% commitment to jump into the clearing where he just knows Pearl is really going to be. Then he almost dies. He almost plummets down to his death. He gets yanked back, and his breath is knocked out of him. So the the symbolism of that was pretty amazing. I think for the first time, he uh, he gets scolded just a little bit for having tunnel vision, trying to find Pearl.
1: You know, I have to laugh a little bit at that um, whole scene, um, thinking about you know Macario being his guide, his blessing that, um, really takes care of him moving forward. Um, and you know, I have worked with children, I've worked with scouts, I've been in a leadership position like that before. And oftentimes it's just as much about keeping them from doing what they're not supposed to as it is about encouraging them to do what they need to do. Um, so I had to chuckle with that a little bit, but as far as the physicality, I think that has been a really interesting struggle for me as um, an actor who has never, I mean, this is my first foray into, um, voice acting really. Um, so that has been an interesting struggle for me. And to give a little bit of a peek into my bedroom studio, I'll admit that while I'm recording, uh, even now I spend a lot of my time talking with my hands and trying to really illustrate my points to myself, um, which has been a lot of fun to figure out.
0: Yeah, it's, well, I could dive off on a crazy bunny trail right now, but Something that has been uh, worth pondering for me over the last couple of weeks, Jonathan, is that, you know, if you, uh, if you convince somebody that they look like they're sick, then they begin to feel sick. You know, it's psychosomatic is what it's called, right? So Absolutely. we start to feel how we, what we believe. But what I've been pondering the last bit is that we can actually start to feel how we act. And I would love your insights on this because I think some of the, the world's best actors are the ones who, you know, they're, they're pretending with their body that something's going on that's not really happening, right? But I think mm-hmm. that if they listen to their body's um, actions, they can actually feel the emotion. So it's like backwards psychosomatics, right? That maybe by changing our behavior, it changes our emotions as well. Do you find that to be the case in your acting?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um- you can tell, I mean, my experience is mostly with stage acting, but both personally and then when you look at the ensemble, when the uh, physical energy is low, when people are not as engaged and um, revved up, ready to go, the performance is just not good, to be honest. Hmm. There's not any real motivation. You don't get the empathy, the connection with the characters that you should. Um, and that's part of why, you know, actors do not just vocal warm-ups, not just running their lines, but physical warm-ups. They stretch, um, do all sorts of things that just, to be frank, look bizarre if you don't know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> but these are important things for, you know, getting into character, getting into that mindset where you can really tell the story.
0: Well, I would like to bring this back to some of the meaning that I'm drawing from this series in this episode, and that is that Really, is addressing people who have been through tragedy and who uh, are in varying stages of grief and recovery from tragedy. That's really what this is about. And I just want to throw that out there as a... Oh, I shouldn't do it. I'm going to do it, quote-unquote, as a pearl for people to take with them, is (laughs) that you can actually cheer yourself up by acting happy. And it's not fake, right? Go take a walk. And walk like you don't have a care in the world and see how you start to feel. It's just something that might help a little bit when we, we get into those really dark places.
1: Absolutely. And I think you see that in this story, in the character. I mean, you know, he Andrew actually now is walking with a friend. He has a goal in mind. He is actually, for the first time in since she passed away, looking for Pearl and looking for some meaning in his life. And I don't think that he really understands at first, or even necessarily at this point, what that meaning that he's searching for truly is. Um, But, I mean, we've seen his character evolve so much just from, like you said, the simple fact he's walking through the woods, he's having to interact with people, he's having to, in a sense, pretend to be somebody he's not been for a very long time.
0: And it's working. <laughs> he's coming around. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's coming around. I've heard people say in the past, uh, for instance, let, just imagine for a moment you're getting ready to go to some sort of a social gathering, a party, or, or you know, get together of some sort. And you're kind of down, and it's kind of like, I'd rather just lay here and watch Netflix, right? And I've heard people say in moments like that, I don't want to go fake it. And I understand that, because you want to be genuine, right? But I've also watched those same people get to the gathering and begin to interact with everybody and begin to smile and pretty soon they actually are enjoying the interaction it's not fake it's real they're really encouraged by it you see what i'm saying
1: absolutely and i've been there myself so i totally understand
0: yeah i think that we we see this turnaround in andrew um when he's with the the wildering people And But then he goes rushing headlong into trouble (laughs) by chasing the wrong rainbow, essentially. Um, I thought it was interesting because right then Max says to Andrew, he asks him, well, if this this one memory of Pearl is this powerful and has this kind of effect on you, what's going to happen to you when you go back to the Wildering People? And Andrew's kind of set back. He's like, go back because he's still locked on the idea of going forward to find Pearl. And Mac kind of revealed to him, you probably need to go back to share more memories, right? To talk more with these people about their memories and their lives and to celebrate Pearl's life. And I think Andrew for a moment there is like, oh. You know what I mean? And then they look across this gorge and they see this guy that's trying to beat up a mountain. So what is that about?
1: (laughs) You've met the valley girl, the forgetting mountain, and the wildering people, said Mac, turning to look at Andrew. His eyes were deep, searching, and wise. You've seen and known what each does for its inhabitants, or those that venture to them. This, he pointed across the gully, this is the altruist. That man asked Andrew, and Max shook his head. The mountain. He does something else entirely. Andrew looked at the mountain. At first glance it seemed like any other mountain, which was to say inanimate. But as Andrew had seen with the Forgetting Mountain, first appearances were here were not always what they seemed. He took a deep breath and scanned the mountain again. As the man on the ridge continued to kick and punch the mountain, wailing and crying, Andrew watched the rock face around him and listened to the sounds that surrounded it, beyond the howls and screams of the man. When the man punched, rocks fell, and the rest of the mountain shuddered. The mountain straightened up, just in time for another one of the man's blows. Um, so the mountain, I think it's actually really interesting. Um, I was a little bit first time I read the script, not necessarily taken aback, but it did give me pause to think for a second about why in this moment Shannon to Shannon chose to give us the name of the mountain um, as opposed to the name of a person or the name of a group of people like she has done in the past. Mm. Um, and so this mountain, the altruist, um, takes the load for all these people who are... Or for this one specific person, but we're, it's implied there are other people, um, who can't deal with their own grief, their own emotion, Um, and there's something I think a little bit unsettling about that, Um, and yet something that is pretty recognizably human, both in the aspect of, you know, taking out your grief, your frustration, your anger on others, but then also on wanting to comfort and accept some of that grief and frustration. I feel like anyone who's worked with, you know, especially small children who are trying to come to terms with this for the first time um, can sort of relate to that idea. Um, And I think it gives Andrew a moment of pause um, because it is on one hand so different from the way he's handled his grief for all these years. And at the same time, I think um, familiar to him Um, I think we sort of see that with how pulled back he's been, even from the people he cares about, that he has not only punished himself, um, for his loss, but punished the people who would like to be there and take care of him.
0: Hmm. Yeah. He drove people away. We we saw that in earlier episodes. People came to befriend him and to encourage him through his grief and he drove them away. So... You know, I, I get the picture of the three-year-old who's throwing a temper tantrum. And I, as a parent, you know, I've been through this. We all have. You're in the grocery store or some other public place, and your kid is absolutely acting like a pill. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's both embarrassing and threatening, and it, it, it's bewildering. Speaking of bewildering people, it's like, what do you do in that situation? But if we stop and think about it from the perspective of the three-year-old, They're experiencing overwhelming emotion, and they don't know what to do with it. So they're kicking, they're screaming, they're banging, they're, you know, and you see the the loving mother who scoops up the three-year-old, who's beating on her chest and crying and screaming and wailing, and she lovingly holds the three-year-old until the three-year-old finally quits being violent and begins to sob and lays his or her head on his mother's shoulder. You know what I'm saying? And you say, okay, the crisis is over. (laughs) The three-year-old is going to be okay now. And it's because three-year-olds don't know what to do with extreme emotion. I mean, that's where it comes from. It's not always because they're being obstinate, (laughs) right? Right. And so they just need that love. And this is the picture that Shannon painted with this mountain, except the three-year-old's not a three-year-old. The three-year-old is a grown man. And the mother is not a, a mother. The, the mother is a mountain. And it's interesting because the grown man, it, it, the story says that he is hurting the mountain a little bit. I mean, the mountain is losing pieces of itself. But he can't tear down the mountain barehanded. It's not going to happen. So it's like it's, it's an act of futility that the man is beating on the mountain. But the mountain is taking the blows, and it even says the mountain shudders. You know, and it takes the blows and loses little pieces of itself, but then the mountain becomes the shelter and the loving embrace that you know the three year old needed and Here's what I'm thinking about. I don't wanna to dive too deep, but i there may be some listeners out there that can relate to this. There are a lot of adults who dealing with extreme emotion, they want to beat the mountain, and not knowing what to do, it kind of becomes self abuse right um matter of fact, in the text it says here that this man's response to pain is destruction, and luckily the mountain is willing to take the blows. But we also, we we, we sometimes inflict that same destruction on ourselves. I, I'm thinking about substance abuse, right? Or people that drive away people that would want to help them, like Andrew did. And why do you drive people away? So you can wallow in your pain. It's It's... Um, we we do destructive behaviors, and we even sometimes defeat our own progress to make sure that we don't succeed. And that's a human thing. That is human nature. It's, it's an archetype. People have done that since the beginning of time, and it's that three-year-old that lives inside of us. And I think, you know, that when we have that extreme emotion and we don't know what to do with it, I think maybe the first step is not being ashamed of it. I don't know. Have you, Jonathan, have you ever had an experience like that? Extreme emotion, not knowing what to do with it, and and feeling shame that you feel this emotion, and not knowing where to put it? I know I have.
1: Absolutely. I actually have been thinking about that a lot recently, um, largely because of working on this podcast and getting to read just some of Shannon's really beautiful material, like this passage. Um, And, you know, I know this year has been a lot for pretty much everyone. It's been a lot for me, too. And, you know, I definitely have had moments where I've shut down, I've been withdrawn inside myself, I've been cruel to people I care about. Um, And it gets to be even sort of an addiction, something you crave, just for the sake of feeling self-important, feeling like you have some impact on what's going around. And, you know, this passage, this story um, was a good chance for me to reflect on some of those things and um, readdress life and readdress some of the stressors in life. Um, And I think, you know, I hope that's something for the audience that they can get out of it if they need it too. I think that's something that we see our um, protagonist get out of it. And something that um, I think we've seen just about all the characters we've come across um, get out of this uh, this journey so far. Um, so I would say, yes, I've really been affected by this story and by getting to really dive in and explore this story as an actor and in a really unique way.
0: <laughs> I'm going to share a story, Jonathan, that is really embarrassing to me, okay? This is a true story. Okay. I was in college, and I, uh, for a couple of years, I lived at my grandmother's house. My grandfather had just passed away. She needed somebody there, and I needed a place to live, so it worked, right? And so I remember one evening, I was so frustrated. I don't remember what the issues were, but there were there were some major issues that I was trying to deal with, and I didn't want to, you know, express all of this strong emotion in front of my grandmother, and I was ashamed, and... I just felt like I needed to go blow off some steam. I think people can relate to that, I hope. So I went on a walk in the dark and I walked about a half mile into the you know, into the wilderness essentially, because she lived out in the country. And I, I thought I was alone. <laughs> and I started screaming at the heavens, <laughs> you know. And I was just I just decided I was gonna bang on that mountain and I was yelling and I was Screaming and I was really letting the world know there in the dark under the open sky and the stars how I felt it felt really really good and at the end of it I was like I'm a new man wow that was really healthy and then I walked back to my grandma's house and when I came in the front door she was terrified <laughs> and I was like what's going on she goes I didn't know where you went and the neighbors called there's some drunk out there And I was afraid he had you. (laughs) I was the drunk, of course. (laughs) And so the whole neighborhood, I thought I was alone in the wilderness, but people are, all the neighbors are calling each other, what's going on? (laughs) So I I admit to all these people now, that was me all those years ago. But I, I really relate to this man who was beating on the mountain, but that was at the same time pretty embarrassing. So I had to I had to admit to my grandmother, no, that was me being an idiot. Sorry. But was it idiotic? Isn't that healthier than alcohol abuse? And I, I throw that out there just for you to comment on, Jonathan, because sometimes we have got to somehow burn off some steam. Do you have ways that you do that?
1: Absolutely. Um, I have found myself in kind of a strange situation this year. I am still working in the town that I grew up and spent most of my life in. Um, right now though, I'm living with my family who just moved in October to a town about 30 minutes away. Um, so that I have the chance to pay off some loans and sort of get myself on my feet before going out there. But what that means is that I'm spending an hour of my day every day, driving back and forth between my hometown and the place I find myself living now. Mm. Um, and especially in the evenings, I get home pretty late because of my job um, I have found there's nothing quite like turning up the music as loud as I can <laughs> rolling down the windows and just screaming along um, I think I've definitely gotten some some odd looks as I pull into town and have to turn everything down quickly but um, I think there is catharsis in that and, <laughs> there is um, the ability to you know refresh and get out stress in a very palpable way Um And certainly healthier than taking it out either on other people in a palpable way or then, you know, taking it out on yourself in a way that's going to cause lasting physical, emotional, psychological damage. Right. Um, which is tempting because those things are easy and they feel pretty good sometimes to, in the immediate moment, um. It's not until later you really get the effects of those things, the damaged relationships, the physical complications, the Mm. increased trauma um, or compounded trauma that comes on top of everything else that you maybe started abusing for.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate in the story here how... The man is attacking a mountain instead of someone he loves, <laughs> and that the mountain is comforting the man, and and he exhausts himself, and then is better. And uh, I I think it's important for Shannon to bring out this dynamic. You know, it's uh, it's very real, and I think it may be in most societies, but certainly in America, it it's not really considered okay to act out with powerful emotion like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes we need a, a, a way to do that, and maybe that's a good way, what you were just saying, you know? Crank, a, crank the stereo and scream, but be safe in it. And it's, I mean, But here's another example. I'm going to use your your own anecdote there. It's so much better that you're cranking the radio... And getting that energy out, than driving like an idiot to get that energy out.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You see what I mean? We can do this in a healthy way. Let's move on. I don't want to over, you know, overstress that one point. But I just thought that it was cool that that was part of Andrew's healing. And actually, he did have that same thing happen as he was rushing away from the Wildering people. Uh, it says that he was he was you know he's running through the, the woods. He had a burst of energy. He's jumping over boulders. He tripped over some sort of a stumper or a root. He, he jumps off a cliff, doesn't even mean to. He gets the breath knocked out of him, and it's kind of like, ah, I see. <laughs> He's throwing a little temper tantrum in a way, although it was one of hope. It was like the pent-up energy had to get out. So let's move on just to the last bit, and there's not a lot of action. There's a lot of uh, introspection in this last bit of the episode, and it's when Mac starts to reveal to Andrew, or Tacito, as Mac likes to call him, that there's more to this experience than finding Pearl. And it lists the the various adventures that they've had, the Valley Girl, the Forgetting People, the Wildering People, and now the Altruist. And the question is, um, what's this really all about? And... So, Jonathan, what do you think it is that Andrew is
1: beginning to understand about this? I think he's beginning to understand a little bit of himself. I think he's been so obsessed for years with Pearl and her death, her time, um, her time away from him, her time that, uh, the time that he has been alone since then, um, that he has not realized that he still has a life and he still has value. Um, And I think he's beginning to understand that this is the reality of his situation and that he has not been accepting that reality. So I think his decision to go back to the valley is perhaps the most important decision, um, if not in his life, then certainly in the last however long since Pearl has died. Um, Because it is a change, I think, in his mentality. He is, for the first time, trying to figure out what he actually needs. Um, And as we see in the next couple episodes, he keeps developing and working on that. Um, But I think that's really a huge shift in his mentality to be able to actually focus on himself instead of on his lost wife.
0: Hey, do you have the script in front of you there? Uh, Pull that up really quick. Right here. There is a a place where Mac is talking, and it starts with, Do not be ashamed of sorrowful times, Tocito. It'd be awesome if you could read, like, three or four sentences of that.
1: Absolutely. One second to find the line. Here we go. Do not be ashamed of the sorrowful times, Tacito, said Mac, eyes burning again. The wildering people and their stories, they are both joy and sorrow. Sorrow and joy exist together in grief. They always have, and they always will. Just as there cannot be dawn without dusk. Rejoice in the dawn, and take heart in the dusk, because dawn is coming. That is all we can do in this world.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful. I, I kind of paraphrased that in my notes here, but it's so nice to hear you read it. And I felt like this was the telling. <laughs> you know, it, it's like Mac has been wanting to tell Tocito this, wanted to tell Andrew this from the beginning, right? And finally, Absolutely. he's ready. And th- it's such a beautiful word picture, the idea that joy and sorrow um might be brothers you know and they exist together in grief there can't be a dusk or a dawn without a dusk or a dusk without a dawn they they work together right and you know i'm going to i, I want to share something just that i was thinking about some sort of a little metaphor an allegory here because I, I wonder if there are listeners out there who are going through something similar to what Andrew has gone through, in that they've had some really hard times. And as I was pondering this before we got on here, Jonathan, mm-hmm. um, I kind of got this this picture in my mind of someone that feels like they're stuck in a pigsty. And when I say pigsty, if you've never been to a farm where the pigs are really in a pigsty, <laughs> then maybe it needs some description. But, you know, it's like a foot or more of wet, slimy pig manure and mud and water. And it's full of maggots and flies, and the stench is overwhelming. And it, it almost seems like if you were in it, it would try to suck you down, right? And so I, here is the, the idea is that sometimes we get into a pigsty in our lives. We really do. You know, we get sucked, stuck in the mire, and the question is, are, you, are we wallowing in it? And then how do we deal with that experience? Some people try to plug their noses against the smell. You know, it's just so extreme. It, it, they try to block it out. And then some people try to distract themselves, right? So they can forget where they are. It's like, I, I, if I distract myself enough with this TV show or this rock band or this drug, right, then I won't see the mire around me anymore. And then some people just try to ignore it. You know, they, they set their shoulders, and they set their jaw, and they imagine that their experience is different than it really is, right? Mm-hmm. They, they try to just say, I'm going to power through this, and it's not bad, I'm tough enough, or whatever it is. But I, I have to ask the question, at times like that, do we feel like it's sucking us down into the mire? And now I want to go to the next step. When people get the courage to crawl out of that, out of that pigsty then they often have mixed emotions about it. I think Andrew did. He didn't want to leave his pigsty, right? But he couldn't go back at the same time. So the emotions that we feel, sometimes we might feel happy because we feel like, okay, we finally are getting away from that, or guilty. Like, if, if I start to live life fully again, then am I somehow disgracing someone else, right? Or am I being untrue to that that horrible life experience that I went through? Shouldn't I always be in the pigsty? I don't know why, but we do that. Or maybe we feel selfish. Like, maybe Andrew at this point is saying, well, if I quit looking for Pearl, am I being selfish? If I take a moment to rest and recuperate, is that selfish? Or maybe we're afraid. And then, okay, I'm going to continue the word picture just a little bit more. The sun beats down on this person coming out of the pigsty, and they've got manure all over their bodies. And it starts to dry and bite and crack on their skin, and it's sweltering hot. And you know it, it's even difficult to take a breath. And when you do, you just smell the the pig filth. <laughs> you know this is an oppressive situation, and often that's how it feels when we first start trying to heal. And then the person. Comes to a large creek, and let's say it's it's an icy, snow-fed creek, and it's rushing by, and it's crystal clear, but it is so cold. It, it but it's living water. It's it's full of life, and you step into this stream, and it causes your feet to cramp. Right, your breath is taken away. But let's say you continue to wade a little bit deeper, and with every step, it hurts more and more and more. But you begin to see with the burning and the cramping that some of the mire is washing off of your ankles, right? Then off your knees and then moving up your thighs. And as it washes that manure away, it's interesting because the smell just gets worse because it gets wet, right? It gets wet. And as it gets wet, it starts to flake off the skin and this odor comes up and it's just like, but you begin to see the clean skin underneath. And then with all the courage you can muster, you dive in to the deeps, and the water is swirling around you, it's over your face, it's in your hair, you can't breathe because you can't even get your head above the water, it's too shocking, right? Your chest is cramping. Even if you could get your head above water, you probably couldn't take a full breath. And the water gets muddy all around you as you thrash around, there's filth and manure everywhere, but little by little, it goes down, 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 and it washes away, and then the water becomes clean again, And then you're able to swim to the surface, and you start sipping that fresh, life-giving air, like for the first time in years. You swim to the bank, and you wade out of the stream, and you're cold, and you're shivering, and you're trembling from this extreme experience, but it was like a baptism. Everything was washed away, you know? And then you collapse on that grassy bank, and you're gasping for breath and shivering But now I want to point something out. The sun that was scorching you before, that was too much to take, is now warming and healing, and it drives the pain away rather than causing it. So why do I tell that crazy story? I don't want to be trite, but I think that we can't always fully appreciate life until we've been through those hard times. The sun that was oppressive before becomes healing later, and I just wanted to throw that out for the listeners because I there may be some out there they're going through some of these experiences. I've been through them, and you know tragedy strikes everyone in this life. I think that no one's immune, and you know if nothing else, the mortality rate of life is a hundred percent. We all go through this from time to time, and I hope that people can take hope from the story that Shannon wrote, and the idea that it can be that hard to move on, right? And even harder, because we don't all have Mac to carry us along, right? But the word picture that Shannon used, you know, the idea that you have joy that's mixed with sorrow and grief and peace that are together, darkness and light, and you know, you, you can't fully appreciate how good life can be sometimes until you've been through the, the hard times, too. So for what it's worth, I wanted to share that, because that was kind of the picture that grew out of listening to this episode for me.
1: I think that's really beautiful.
0: Um, you mentioned the idea or the decision that, that Andrew made to go back to the valley— Will you expand on that just a little bit more?
1: Absolutely. It's hard to follow that all up. Um, But um, I think, and in the next episode, we'll see some of that conversation, some of that time that he does spend going back to the Valley. But I think in this moment that he decides that this is the path that he wants to take, um, for the first time, it's really his choice, his conscious decision to go and see a new place, um, I think we see that he has grown immensely and that while physically he may not be any closer to Pearl, um, he has come a lot closer to being okay again. Hmm. And I think we've seen so far a man who has been Not to sound trite, but deeply not okay. Um, For many, many years. And so I think this chance to actually go and rest and reflect, um, instead of ignoring or cutting everything off or rushing headlong into another, another adventure, another chance to try and find Pearl, we're seeing a new person, a new man who is ready to understand what his life means, his own life means, and what his time with Pearl means, and what he needs to do about those things, Um, and actually willing to put some time into figuring that out.
0: So here's something that I'm just confessing. I still struggle with the idea of taking care of myself, like Andrew finally decided to start doing. And the reason... Jonathan, is because I feel like it's selfish or too self-centered or something like that. Absolutely. That's just the way I feel. But then my my brain tells me, you know, my, my logical mind says, you know what? Sometimes you have to do that. And it's not selfish. It's actually should be a priority because until we care for ourselves, we're in no shape to care for others. And so anyway, I, I throw that out there as a confession. I, that's how I feel when I start trying to crawl out of the pigsty. I feel selfish, <laughs> right? But we have to do that. And it's beautiful to see Andrew starting that journey now. I'm excited about the next um, two episodes to see how this all pans out, how it turns out for Andrew and where this all winds up. I, I still wonder, because you know the end, I don't. I still wonder, is he going to find Pearl in some way? Or is he going to find the pearl of great price on the inside? You know? Um, Where does he end up in this whole exercise? One thing that's becoming apparent with episode 9 here is that he is getting better. He is healing. And uh, that's just so super cool. So. What other thoughts do you have, Jonathan? Or have we just about beat this one enough?
1: I think without getting too much into uh, some of the exciting stuff coming up, Um, I think that's about all I've got.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, again, thank you for all of your efforts in uh, doing the voice acting for this this beautiful novel that Shannon has written. And uh, we really appreciate you, man. And it's been excellent to hear your perspectives and visit with you today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for doing this.
0: You bet. And for all you listeners out there, make sure you get to hear the next two episodes. We're going to round everything up. And if you're enjoying this or you're finding it helpful in some way, please do share it. Share it with people that you think may benefit or appreciate it in some way themselves. And we really appreciate that. Make sure you subscribe to The Novel Podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. And it's beautiful if you can leave a review or rank the episodes. Everything helps. We want to make sure that Shannon's hard work can reach as many people as possible. And hopefully a lot of people will benefit from it.